0: We're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Come on. We get excited about the Word of God. We think it's better than ESPN, CNN, Fox News. We think it's better than the newspaper. We think it's better than any book you read, any self-help book you bought. We think the Word of God has the power to change your life, to give you joy, peace, comfort. Come on, Jesus. Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapter 5. How many of you guys are already there? How many of you are still, still looking for Matthew 5? Okay, maybe hadn't been to church in a while. Matthew chapter five now, come on. No, uh, this, is, this is a message that Jesus was giving to believers. He, he had disciples around him. He had people who were hungry for the word of God and he was teaching them how to live a blessed life. How many of y'all wanna be blessed? Jesus has a recipe for the blessed life and he calls it the B attitudes. Because the blessed life starts with a blessed attitude. If you want to be blessed, you got to choose to have a blessed attitude. So he starts off, verse 1, he sees uh, the crowd, he has compassion on them. He gets to verse 3 and he says, Blessed, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Any meek people in the house. You don't have to be weak to be meek. Meek is humility. It's, in fact, it takes more strength to be meek than it does to be mean. Come on now. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And then we're going to end on this one. Blessed are the peacemakers. I know we got peacemakers in the house today. They will be called the sons and daughters of God. Come on, Jesus. We got a great message for you today. God wants to speak to you. We're going to say a victory confession on the count of three. If you're new to victory, we invite you to say this with us. It's just a declaration to say, God, speak to me. Lord, I didn't come to church on accident. I came here on purpose for a purpose. So let's say this together on the count of three. One, two, three. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Lord, I thank you for victory. God, we thank you for grace. Lord, I want you to speak to us today. Push aside all distractions. Holy Spirit, move today. Different than you have in any other service. Lord, you save the best for last. God, I thank you, this 11 a.m. service, we are hungry for your word. Lord, I thank you that today we're going to leave with just a greater, uh, light, lighter load on our back and a greater sense of hope, of peace. Lord, that we walk the blessed life. God, that you continue to just draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Give someone a high five. Say, let it go. Let it go. That's the title of the message this morning. Let it go. If you want mercy to flow, you gotta let it go. If you want forgiveness to flow, you gotta learn to let it go. If you want grace to flow, you gotta learn to let it go. You know, in every relationship, there's always room for offense. There is temptation to get offended. Anyone been tempted to get offended in the last week? How about this morning while you were driving to church, somebody almost ran you over in the parking lot. You can see them across the row. You are tempted to get offended. How many have been tempted to get offended in the last month? About all, I would say 100% of us have probably been tempted to get offended sometime in the last 30 days. But did you know that when we hold on to offense, we actually block the blessing that God has for our lives? Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Mercy is another word for forgiveness. In fact, in the Bible, you can exchange mercy and forgiveness throughout the Bible. Jesus, the Lord, speaks about it over a thousand times. It's a huge topic. When I was praying this week, what to preach to the church, I heard the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's one of the most important topics in the Bible. God talks about forgiveness more than almost everything else in the Bible. In fact, the three most powerful words outside of I love you are I forgive you. You. Let's say it together. I forgive you. Anybody had to practice forgiveness in the last week? Yeah, all of us have. You know, I was thinking about how um, right after uh, high school, I went to go work in a camp out out in Maryland. And I was there for about three months. And when I first went out there my first week, I was being interviewed for a job at at the camp for what I was going to do. And I walked into this man's office. He began to interview me. and. He said, where are you from? I said, Tulsa, Oklahoma. He goes, oh my gosh. Let me tell you something about Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I said, okay. He didn't really look at my resume, wasn't really looking at my name or where I was from, all that stuff. He said, listen, there's this church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. (laughs) You know where this is going. He says, man, I, I lived in Tulsa for about a year. Oh, that church, man, they offended me. What church was it? Victory Christian Center. I said, um, what, what happened? You know that Pastor Billy Joe and Sharon Doherty? All of a sudden, like, my blood starts pumping really fast. I'm like, what's he about to say about my mama? You, you don't talk about my mama. I will jump over. I will cut you if you talk about my mama. Security, come on now. I'm about to go like intense. I'm about to go Paul when he was Saul on this guy. Come on now. I was about to go back, but I, uh, I was sitting there and he begins to just spew out this poison. He, he was offended by something that had happened. Literally, this, he, we were talking, this was in 2005. He was dating back the moment that he got offended in 1991. For 14 years, he had been carrying this offense towards my mom and dad. And And what's funny is, the offense that he mentioned, it was nothing that they did personally. It was something he latched hold of. You know, offense in the Bible is talked about a lot. In fact, Jesus said, if you're breathing, you will uh, be tempted to get offended. Luke 17 verse 1 says, offenses will come. You can count on it. When you get saved, you're going to have still more opportunity to get offended. In fact, you're gonna the, the people who will offend you the most are the people who are closest to you. And usually the people who will offend you the most are within the body of Christ because you hold them to a higher expectation. You expect them to not let you down. But guess what? Christians are humans too. People will let you down. People will say things they don't mean. People will misunderstand you. People are people. And if we latch hold to offense, we will block the blessing in our life. I could see it on this guy's face. There was... There was pain, there was misery, because that's what bitterness and unforgiveness does. It locks you in a prison of misery. Unforgiveness doesn't hurt the perpetrator, it hurts you. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping for the other person to die. Somebody say, let it go. So he was sitting there holding on to it and he said, you know that church? I said, yeah, I know that church. He said, really, did you go there? I said, yeah, I go there. (laughs) He said, well, it's probably changed since then. I said, yeah. Uh, He said, do you know the pastors? And I said, yeah, the pastors are my parents. (laughs) He looks down at my resume. Oh, my gosh, I'm so, oh, no, I did not. Hey, listen, I didn't mean what I said. I said, listen, sir, have you ever heard of the show Undercover Boss? I wonder if 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 god did an undercover god on you and sat you down and asked you what you fought about your co-workers, asked you what you thought about your family members, asked you what you thought about uh, your church friends. I wonder what you would say if you didn't know that God was listening. I wonder what kind of offense you've been holding on to that today God wants to uncover and uproot from your life so he can bless you. God wants to bless you. He wants you to have an abundant life. He doesn't want you to have a partially blessed life. He wants you to get the full blessing. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I don't want to miss out on the abundant life because I'm offended at somebody else. See, we're, 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 Uh, uh, forgiveness is a big idea. It's for big people. It's for people who have a big picture. Forgiveness is not for small people. It's not for spiritually immature people. Forgiveness is something that spiritually mature people understand. If you want to measure someone's spiritual maturity, it's not how many scriptures they've memorized, how many services they've attended. It's how many times they've forgiven somebody and still walked in love. Forgiveness is a big thing to God. It's a huge thing. It's a deep thing. It's a strong thing. In fact, the, the higher you're promoted, the more you have to learn to forgive. God can't take you to a higher level if you're still holding on to unforgiveness. If you want to grab hold of your destiny, you have to let go of your history. You cannot grab your destiny while you're still holding on to your history. Somebody say, let it go. Jesus spoke through David, and in and, and Psalm 133, he was talking about how to have a blessed church. Psalm 133, verse 1, he says, Isn't it good and pleasing when brothers and sisters dwell together in bitterness, in division, in strife? No, he says, in unity. You know how to have unity in your family, in your marriage, in your church? I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I for- learn to say those words. You want to have a longer marriage? Just keep practicing. I forgive you. You want your family to get along? You want to survive and not kill each other? I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. He says that where there's unity verse 3 there is the commanded blessing of the Lord. God commands his blessing on people who get along. God commands his blessing on the church that walks in forgiveness. Man, I want God's blessing in this house, in your house. In fact, today, during tithes and offerings, I was writing on my offering envelope, Lord, I pray for victory to experience prosperity, abundant life for every family, every household, every apartment, every dorm room, every person in this room to walk in the blessing. But God says, I cannot Bless What you are not sowing You cannot reap a harvest Where you have not sown the seed Blessed are the merciful Blessed are the forgivers For they will receive forgiveness Blessed are the merciful For they will obtain mercy You know in the last days Jesus said Matthew 24 verse 10 In the last days How many of you guys think we are in the last days? We are absolutely in the last days Time is running out Jesus is coming back Soon, You better get right with God. You better get things cleaned out of your closet. Let everything that that, that needs to be dealt with be dealt with because he's coming back soon. It's going to happen quick. But he says in the last days, a sign of the last days will be that offenses will become rampant. Many will become offended. When he was saying the scripture, he was talking about believers. He wasn't talking about society. He was talking about believers. He says offenses will grow rampant. They will get Many will become offended. They will betray one another. This is a progressive verse that when you become offended, you betray. Betrayal is not uh, something like maybe you're imagining what Judas did to Jesus. Betrayal is protecting my benefit at the expense of your hurt. Meaning I, I could throw you under the bus, not physically, but virtually. Do something that would hurt you so that I'm protected. That's betrayal. And then betrayal eventually leads to hatred. Hatred is, sometimes we think hatred is, you know, you go out and you do something mean to somebody. Hatred is really just the absence of love, meaning you could care less whether that person is alive or dead. Your hatred towards your boss, your ex, our president, it's not hurting them, it's hurting you. God didn't Save you so you could hate people. He saved you so you could pray for people, so you could love people. You you can disagree with someone's choices and pray for them without hating them. I'm praying for our president, but I don't have to walk in hatred. I'm praying for people who've hurt me, who've made wrong choices, but I don't have to hate them. Why? Because hatred doesn't even do anything to them. It does something even worse to me. Hatred destroys you from the inside out unforgiveness, it destroys you. God gave me five words of what the devil's going to do in the last days towards believers. Five words. The devil's goal, the enemy's goal is to distract you, then deceive you, then divide you so he can dethrone you and diminish you. He distracts you with offense. Offense is a distraction from the bigger thing. I heard a story this last week I was, I was praying, I heard this story about this family. They were inside their house, they had gotten into an argument, it was a husband and wife and their parents were there, and so they were kind of get, just getting into this petty argument. It was something not that big of a deal, but they were consumed by the argument. They didn't notice that their little toddler, who was one and a half years old, had somehow gotten out the back screen door and walked towards the swimming pool and fell into the pool. The story ends good, so hang in there with me. The family was in an argument for five minutes, arguing before they noticed their toddler was missing. They began to frantically search in the house. One of them walked into the backyard and saw the toddler at the bottom of the pool. He had turned blue. He had sank to the bottom, and so the the person jumped into the pool, pulled him out, began to perform CPR. Praise God, that toddler lived. He lived. Thank you, Jesus. He lived. As they were processing what happened, they, they... said this wouldn't have happened if we had not gotten distracted in that argument. Here's what the devil does. He distracts us by something petty while he's doing something huge over here. The devil likes to distract the church to be in fights with each other while he changes the definition of marriage, while he brings ISIS into the country, while pa- Planned Parenthood is selling fetus tissues, while, while we've got uh, uh, Iran nuclear deals being made, and the church is angry at each other during the last days that we're missing a massive war that we're supposed to be praying about, a massive, something way bigger than the offense that you're all upset about. The devil distracts you, and listen, the offense, the distraction of offense is the breeding ground for deception. When you get offended, you are so susceptible to being deceived. And you know the thing about deception? <laughs> it's deceptive. <laughs> you don't really know that you're deceived. You think you've got the right, I've got the right to be offended. Paul said, I have the right to anything, but not everything is beneficial for me. You might have the right to be offended, to be angry at that person. But is it really carrying you towards your destiny. Remember, you cannot embrace your destiny while you're holding on to your history. You've got to let it go. He distracts with offense and he deceives so that he can divide. The devil wants to divide and conquer because a house divided cannot stand. But a church that's united is unstoppable against the enemy. The devil cannot stop a church that's united, a church that says, I don't care what you do to me. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And then when he divides, he dethrones and he diminishes. I saw this vision of the enemy playing tug of war with the church. It was like the devil and all of his demons. They were holding the rope and they were pulling it. And the church was over here on this side. And we had one hand on the rope, each of us. And the other hand like this at a brother or sister. I'm not pointing at anyone. I'll point up here, okay. (laughs) We were pointing. We were angry at each other while the enemy is... Pulling us and we're fighting with each other, and what we're being dragged away. We're losing because we're fighting the wrong battle. We're caught up in a fence, and so we don't have the strength to fight the real war that's going on outside of the church. We've got to be united in here so that we can defeat the enemy out there. We've got to be united in our marriages, in our house, with our loved ones, with other believers. Jesus says, don't be deceived by offense. Don't latch hold of it. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Offense, it blinds you. It's like putting a handkerchief over your eyes. You can't really see where you're going, what you're doing. Offense blinds you. The only way to take off the blinders is to let go of the offense. There was a pastor who wrote a book about end times. It was a prophetic vision, and he saw the, the, the enemies of hell coming against the church He said, I saw the the darkness, the most wicked enemy. They were coming against the church. And he said, the enemy was riding on something. At first, I thought it was horses. And then as it got closer, I realized it was the demons were riding on the backs of offended believers. See, the enemy may not have to use an outside force to take America down if we're biting and devouring each other. Paul said, Galatians 5, be careful that you do not devour each other because of rage and offense and anger. Time is running out, church. There is no time to waste on offense right now. There is no time to waste on getting offended at another brother or sister, whether they be a Christian or a non-Christian. Your destiny is too important to waste on something so petty, so small. Something that you can't really take into eternity. You might be sitting here today and you say, Paul, how, how many times do I have to let it go? How many times do I have to forgive somebody? I'm glad you asked. Peter asked Jesus the same question in Matthew 18, verse 21. He said, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my pastor? How many times do I have to forgive the ushers, the greeters? My sister, my brother, my parents. How many times do I have to forgive those who've hurt me? Can I get away with just seven, and then after seven I can kill them? Or do something, can I just hold the offense? Jesus says, no, 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 not seven times, but I tell you in verse 22, 70 times seven, 490 times. Luke's gospel says daily, 70 times seven a day, which means you would have to offend me 490 times a day, and I'd still have to forgive you. I'd still have to let it go. Someone say, let it go. <laughs> Jesus, what was, what was Jesus really saying? He was saying, as soon as the offense comes, let it go. Because unforgiveness, it, it stops you more than it stops them. The offense that you're holding on to, it's blocking your blessing. If you, Jesus was telling Peter, Peter, I have big plans for you. I'm going to use you. You're going to be the premier for the church. You're going to preach a message that's going to start the church. But Peter, I cannot use you if you're all tied up in offense. I cannot promote you if you're not able to forgive at a higher level. The higher you're promoted, the more you've got to forgive. Big people Forgive. Small people hold on to petty offenses. Jesus said, I want you to go to the next level. Keys, I want you to come up. This is what Jesus was saying. He was saying, listen, everything in our life, everything in this world has has an elimination button. Like when you breathe in, you're able to breathe out. When you eat food, you're able to release it. If you don't, your body would pop. A car has an exhaust pipe. But the one thing that doesn't have an elimination button on it is your heart. Your heart can take in offense after offense after offense, and there's no outlet. There's nothing to eliminate it. So today the Holy Spirit spoke to me to come to you. And he wants to slip a little catheter in there so he can drain out the poison, the toxicity, the stuff you've been holding on to. Just let it go. You didn't get in the last word, let it go. They didn't pay you all the money back, let it go. They forgot to mention you from stage, let it go. Don't hold on to offense because you think you have the right to. You do have the right to. But what you're doing is you're blocking the blessing in your life. You're blocking the joy in your life. Jesus goes on to Peter and he says, Listen, Peter, let me just tell you a story about the gospel, about the kingdom of God. If you're having a hard time with forgiveness, let me just tell you what's going on here. Verse 23 The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one servant was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That would be equivalent to a billion plus dollars. That's an unpayable debt. I don't have a billion plus dollars. If I did, we'd be doing some awesome things with the church. Come on, somebody. If you got a billion, bring it in. But you know what? This guy owed a billion dollars. And the master turns to him, verse 25, when he can't pay it, he says, listen, you must be sold, your wife, your children, all that you own, we're going to sell it, and then, it's still not enough, but then I'll I'll let you off. In other words, we're going to get rid of you and your family, and then it's over. The man began to beg in verse 26. Please, master, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I can't pay the debt. I know I've hurt you. I know I've done something against you. I've I've sinned. The master hears his desperate plea in verse 27. He's moved with compassion. I'm so thankful Jesus was moved with compassion. This is the story of the gospel. He released him and forgave him the entire debt. Totally paid. Jesus paid it all. See, you and me in this room, we forget, we've been, we've been forgiven of an unpayable debt. When someone offends you, just remember, you offended Jesus pretty bad too. Paul, you don't know what they've done to me. And my answer would be, you don't know what you've done to Jesus. You don't know how they hurt me. They abused me. They fired me from the company. They didn't even give me a chance to to try and prove myself. They let me go. They walked out on me. I'm not saying that you haven't been hurt. Forgiveness doesn't say that what the person did to you is okay. Forgiveness just says, I'm too big to allow you to incarcerate me by something you did in my past. I've got too big of a destiny to stay in the prison of bitterness and unforgiveness. I, I cannot drink that poison any longer. I'm too big to do, I'm too, don't, don't stoop down. You're too powerful to stoop down to something so petty. You're too strong to succumb to something so weak, so small. You're too big to hold on to that offense. God says, I, I've got a calling on your life. Let it go. Let it go. To, to not forgive someone is to forget what Jesus has forgiven you of. What happens is this man realizes he's been forgiven. He's set free. Watch what he does next. Verse 28 He finds another person, the servant who was forgiven a billion plus dollars. He goes out and he finds someone who owed him a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii is equivalent to one-third of your salary. That's not a small offense. That's a pretty, if you make $30,000, that would be $10,000 that someone borrowed from you and they didn't pay you back. If you make $100,000, that would be $33,000 that someone borrowed from you and didn't pay you back. I mean, that was a pretty sizable offense. But in comparison to what that guy owed the other master a billion-plus dollars, it was very small he forgot what he was forgiven of and he latched hold of someone else and it says he took him by the throat began to choke him pay me, pay me you owe me you stole years from my life unforgiveness chokes the life out of you you think that somehow by holding that grudge you're choking the life out of them but in reality it's choking the life out of you The longevity of your life is connected to your ability to forgive. You want to live longer? Forgive more. You want want your marriage to last longer? Forgive more. You want your relationship with your daughter? You can win the argument but lose the daughter. Forgive. Paul, she stole from me. They stole from me. They hurt me. I know. I'm not saying that what they did is okay, it's terrible, it's wrong. But for you to hold on to it is hurting your destiny, let it go. Someone here is carrying a deep hatred towards your parent, maybe your mom, maybe your dad. Maybe they've already died, but you're still holding on to the grudge. It's time to let it go. Here's what happens when we carry an offense. We start taking this luggage. What my past employer did to me. What my dad did to me. Church did that to me. Okay, I'm ready to go to heaven. Let's go. Take me, Jesus. I'm good. I better not see my sister up there. Better not see my pastor up there. Hope I don't see the other church up there. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Higher. I can't go. A fence weighs you down. You know the difference between an eagle and a chicken? A chicken stays on the ground. An eagle soars way up high. A chicken eats whatever is in front of it. It eats at the sight of his vision a chicken will eat all kinds of junk anyone that's a farmer that's raised chickens you know those chickens they'll just eat junk all around them picking up all kinds of offense he offended me, the church offended me I can't believe I'm going to write a letter they offended me so bad (laughs) just grabbing it just grabbing it, grabbing it, grabbing it grabbing it. the eagle's soaring way up high through the hail through the rain, through the snow just keeps on soaring you can't knock me down I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven way too much to hold on to something so small. God's shown me way too much mercy for me to hold a grudge against you. <laughs> I'm going to let that go. Because until you let it go, you're going to stay down here. God says, bring it all. Just drop it at the altar. But God, I got I got like... A 1,000 receipts of all the bad stuff they've done to me. I'm carrying the receipts around. God says, bring the receipts. Let them go. What about the abuse, God? What about the the betrayal? He betrayed me. Let it go. Okay, all right. Can I carry this one, though, God? I'll, I'll, I'll leave those there, but let me just take this one. God says, as long as you carry that... You're slowing down your destiny. You're slowing down your joy. You're, sl- You're blocking the blessing. You're blocking the blessing. You're blocking. Let it go. Let it go. Somebody say, let it go. Let it go. You didn't get in the last word. Let it go. They didn't pay you all the money. Let it go. Paul, doesn't that say that I'm letting them get away with how they treat me? No. It's saying you're no longer gonna stay in prison to the bitterness of the past. You can't embrace your destiny while you're holding on to your history. You gotta let it go. When Paul the apostle was on an island and he was ministering to some people, in fact, he was, he was in prison. He was on a ship. He was going to share the gospel and he had been in prison for sharing the gospel and they landed on this island. He had been through a lot of pain, a lot of tough things. People had hurt him. He's standing around this bonfire in Acts 28. And as he's standing around the bonfire, this snake, a viper, jumps out of the fire, latches hold of his arm. Now, Paul doesn't wait 30 minutes to shake it off. He doesn't wait a year to shake it off. As soon as it latches hold, shakes it off. The other thing that Paul doesn't do, right after the snake bit him, Paul didn't start a campaign against the snake. He didn't say, I'm really angry at that bonfire. I'm going to start another bonfire over here. I I don't like the people on that island. I'm going to another island over here. No, in fact, it says Paul stayed right where the snake bit him. What? He stayed in the same place where a snake bit him? Why wouldn't he leave? Why wouldn't he start another church? Go somewhere else. Divide everybody up. Bring some people on his team to go against the snake. Because Paul knew this. No matter how... Long he stands around yelling at the snake, angry at the snake, not forgiving the snake, he's gonna miss the destiny that God had for him on that island. God has a destiny for you in this church, in this marriage, in this family. You can yell at the snake all day, but it's not gonna help you. You can stay angry at the snake all day, or you could choose to let it go. Because God says, I've got too much big stuff for you, for you to stand around campaigning against the snake. Just let it go. If I've offended you as the pastor of this church, I am sorry. I ask for your forgiveness. Say, well, Paul, it's not really you. It's the other people. If they've offended you, let me me apologize for them. We're sorry. Let it go. If someone in your family has hurt you, say, well, Paul, I'm not going to forgive them until they come and apologize to me. Don't put your life on hold and give the power to somebody else for you to have peace. It's time for you to have your peace and your joy back. Don't wait till they come to you. Let it go. Drop it off. Get rid of it. I'm thankful for my parents setting an example for me of always walking in forgiveness. You know, you learn the behavior of how you handle offenses. How you handle offenses will determine the next 30 years of your life. You can't avoid offenses. They're going to come at you. Jesus said, as long as you're breathing you'll be tempted to be offended. When you walk out of church today, you'll be tempted. Some of you might already be tempted to be offended by my sermon about not getting offended right now. That's how the devil works. You know, the devil shows up to church every week, hanging around in the parking lot, just trying to get you offended. Out in the lobby, trying to get you offended. At your workplace. Because the enemy knows it's the bait of Satan. He sets the bait out. Someone, latch hold of this. Come on, come on. Let me get you turning against each other. Because if I can get you to turn against each other, you'll forget the bigger war that's going on outside the walls. Let it go. I'm almost done. My dad, one Sunday morning, was preaching (laughs) on forgiveness. And at the altar call, a man came down and punched him in the face. As soon as it happened, he got back up on stage, wiped the blood off, I forgive you brother Jesus forgave all of us he got up and preached another message on forgiveness as soon as it happens shake it off let it go why? because you need to live longer you need to have a greater blessing on your life I'm telling you thousands of dollars are locked up waiting to come to you because you've blocked it by unforgiveness blessings relationships restoration reconciliation in your family it's waiting to come to you but it's blocked because of The lack of mercy in your life. Greater joy. The ability to worship. This one guy said, uh, he was talking to me and he said, "Um, I I held unforgiveness towards my mom. She abandoned me when I was six months old, left me with another family. I held unforgiveness towards her for 36 years. I only talked to her once in those 36 years. And then I started listening to a message on forgiveness. And he said, "At, at that moment, I realized I had been carrying a grudge against my mom. I called her. Some of you might need to call someone today, write a letter this week, send a text message, send a Facebook message, go meet with them, go to coffee. You say, well, Paul, what does reconciliation look like? Can I just tell them everything wrong they've done to me and then say, I forgive you? No. Reconciliation is humble. I'm sorry, I haven't walked in your shoes. I judged you. I've held on to this bitterness of what you did to me. I remember I was so hurt by someone that was close to me right after college. I was so mad. I went to my dad, and I began to share it with him. You know what he said to me? Let it go. Dad, I don't want to let it go. They hurt me. This wasn't a petty offense. This was a painful offense, a slanderous rumor. Dad, it was so false, It, it hurt my reputation with other people. I mean, it really hurt me. Dad said, Paul, you hold on to that, you're blocking the blessing in you got to learn to let it go. Doesn't doesn't mean that what they did is okay. It just means you're going to forgive and you're going to move on. Your destiny is too big to hold on to your history. Just let it go. It took me a while. He said, one way to help you forgiving is just pray for them. I started praying that they would get in an accident. I started praying that the revenge of God would... T- be taken out on. I was, I was praying carnal prayers. I'm sorry. I just have to be honest with you. If I told you I immediately prayed positive prayers, it's not true. I prayed some negative prayers. God said, Paul, you need to change your prayers because what you're praying is going to come back on you. I said, okay, God, I'm sorry. I started praying, Lord, protect them. Lord, bless them. God, cause whatever their hand touches to prosper even though I don't want it to. Help them, Jesus. It was hard. I would cry sometimes when I was praying for them to be blessed because I didn't want them to be. I wanted them to get vengeance. And I'm so thankful when I deserved justice, God showed up with mercy. I don't deserve to be on this stage. It's by the mercy and the grace of God. That's why I agree with my haters when they say, you don't deserve that, you're too young. I know, but by the mercy and the grace of God, I am who I am. I didn't earn it. He gave it freely. I wasn't good enough, but he called me his son. He called me his chosen one. And why would I, who's been richly blessed with mercy, hold it back from anybody else who hurts me? And I began to pray, and as I began to pray, God healed my heart. And then God said, I want you to go and talk to that person. I want you to experience reconciliation. I want you to carry your suitcases and all your receipts of what they've done to you and let it go. And so I said, okay, God, I'm going to tell them everything they did to me, and then I'm going to say, I forgive you. God said, no, you go in humility. You apologize to them. And that was hard. I'm closing my eyes because I'm trying to just remember the situation. It was so painful. I went, and I said, I'm sorry. I have not walked in your shoes, and I don't know how it feels to be you, and I've judged you, and I've been bitter. I've been angry. I don't know what your dad did to you. I don't know what's happened, but I've been the one who's been in pain. I've been in misery because of my unforgiveness. That person opened up said... No, I'm sorry. As soon as I came in humility, their apology came back. That's what God does. Today, that relationship is restored. We can smile. We can laugh. We can watch a movie together. I couldn't have done that. But see, God has done a work. God wants to do a work in your life today. And maybe that person's gone. Maybe you won't be able to have the same friendship. But you still need to let go of whatever they've done to you. You still need to. I want you to stand up on your feet all over this room. Today, God is saying, let it go. God said, I can hold accountable. all the Your salvation, when you receive Jesus, is secure. But when you hold on to an offense, God holds you accountable to that. God said, before you go to pray, forgive the brother or sister who's offended you. God said to husbands in the room, if you've mistreated your wife, if you've gotten in an offense, an argument with your spouse, you forgive them or else I can't hear your prayers. That is scriptural. You say, so God's not going to answer my prayers if I'm offended at people. You block the blessing when you hold on to offense. It's not that God's not merciful enough. It's just that He's given you so much mercy. He's counting on you to share it with the people who've hurt you. I thank God that the man who was offended at my family at that camp in Maryland, by the end of the summer, he came to me in tears and he said, Paul... This summer, watching you and seeing how you have walked this summer and you've continued to love me, even though I said what I said about your parents, he said, it's done something in my heart. He said, I realized I judged your parents. I judged your church. I was in the wrong and I I repent. I forgive what's been done to me. God did a work in his heart. That man's a different man. You can't operate at the husband you're called to be while you're holding on to a fence. You can't operate at the mother you're called to be while you're holding on to a fence. People haven't seen the full you yet. After today, someone's about to experience a whole better husband. Someone's about to experience a better mama. Someone's about to experience a better grandmama. Because today, you're saying, life's too short. Time's running out. I can't hold on to offense any longer. I'm dropping off the suitcases today. I'm going to love my daughter. I'm going to love my mama. I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to stop being grumpy old me, sassy old me, walking out and avoiding every conflict. I choose to forgive.